You're listening to Discography Discussion, presented by DiscussMetal.com, episode 101, Killswitch Engage. And if the end of heartache is engaging the kill switch, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, that is Jeff, and this logboat is a damn good kill switch. That's all I have to say. I don't know, man. I'm enjoying this uh, Dosa Keys uh, beer that I got at a gas station Dos that Equis I didn't even beer. get. As opposed yeah. to Dos Equis yeah. not beer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Well, you know, I, I, I get this at a gas station because I'm actually um, not in town right now. I'm drinking this awesome tap water out of this bitchin' Emo's mug. Isn't that the Emo's mug that I used to pee in in the store? Thank God it's not. I still have that one, and that's what I, I use to get uh, the salt out to salt my driveways. That's beautiful. That explains why your driveway is always the clearest, Jeff. Yes. So clear. That Dan piss just melts melts away the snow. And salt in mass quantities. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming back after 100 episodes. I wasn't sure if we were like done after that. I mean, kind of a life lifetime achievement award type of deal. And uh, I'm happy to say that we are back and uh, headed as fast as we can to 200 episodes. I'm thankful Dan had the forethought to take his podcasting gear with him so that we could put this episode out on time. Well, you know, I'm dedicated to the cause and all that shit. Also, you were threatened with murder. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I might have been threatened with murder, but it wasn't from Joe. (laughs) Oh, then you're not doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) Give it time. So we decided to cover Killswitch Engage this week because, well, Killswitch Engage is one of those bands that, again, we've always kind of beat around the bush with on discography discussion. Like we've we've mentioned them countless times. We've compared other bands to them. And again, just like the Norma Jean episode was, we decided, you know what, we're going to go ahead and give them Killswitch right after Norma Jean instead of making them wait 100 fucking episodes to get to it. The alternative was do Metallica again. We could have done that, or we could talk about Killswitch Engage, a band I admit I don't always like to admit I enjoy listening to. Really? There's nothing wrong with them as a whole. I can say it one more time and get away with it. This is metalcore, except for classic Norma Jean or Under Oath that people think is metalcore, and there's those two different ways to look at metalcore. One is more of the As I Lay Dying Gothenburg way except this has operatic vocals most of the time. Yeah, I mean, Killswitch for me was one of the biggest metalcore bands to come out of that scene in the early 2000s, and they really shined in comparison to other bands because they did have that melodic vocal, which was kind of like a, a an integral part of their sound. But it wasn't done in like a cheesy way or a contrived way like it was done with bands like Demon Hunter or any of the bands that have the sing-scream dynamic. Um, Killswitch definitely has that, but... If you actually look into the songwriting, it's all there from the beginning. It's part of the plan. It's part of the blueprint. It's kind of a classic Dio type thing. Cover songs oh, yeah. excluded. Oh, you're going to exclude the Dio cover song? Yeah, didn't care for it. I'm going to exclude it. Well, Jeff, well, you're you can sad, take a potty break man. when that comes up. Yeah, because me and Joe are going to want to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, I'll talk about it, but I just... I probably just didn't love it as much as you guys, and maybe it's because I'm a Dio fanboy. And we talked about it on the Disturbed episode 
why would you want to define a band by a cover song? If you do that, is that band really that good? I mean, don't talk about Alien Ant Farm like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were a good band, too, that we'll talk about at some point. Before we talk about another band that Dan secretly loves, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Five-star reviews are a really great way for a podcast to get noticed by people that have never heard of your podcast. It's all dictated by algorithms and all kinds of weird robots that try to tell us what we need to hear and what we need to love. But they're not wrong. So if you want people that don't hear us and don't love us, to hear us and love us, leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. We got a comment from Disco Jesus. Wait, the actual Disco Jesus? Yeah, I wonder if he knows that guy Stu. I don't even know that guy Stu, but I can tell you that I'm interested to hear whatever Disco Jesus has to say. Well, he commented on episode 22, The Dan Terra Spectacular, where Dan defended his view against everyone about Pantera. Well, that happened. That is a real-life thing that happened, yes. So he commented, really liked this one. Props to the host for holding his ground and backing up his argument. Well, well it thank is you Dan Terry, after all. Dan Terra, right? <laughs> he's the guy that will defend his argument to the death, even if he's wrong. In most cases. Which I wasn't in that case. <laughs> Just so we're clear, you can go back and listen to it. I appreciate it that Disco Jesus took such a deep dive. That uh, episode was a 2017 episode. We got a tweet from AC in regards to episode 98, Fit for a King. I don't think anyone said anything I didn't agree with. Spot on commentary. Yeah, they had some pop metalcore sprinklings in the first two albums, but not enough to push you away. Joe said it best, the modern example of a sure thing. I did say that. Yeah, I mean, it's like <laughs> McDonald's. You know, you go in, you order a Big Mac. It tastes the same every time. I'm all about those fries, man. Mm. What is the deal with McDonald's fries? Everyone seems to think they're the best. And while they are consistently great, they're not really the best. No, no but, but they're, they're consistently a sure thing. grace. They are definitely a sure thing. Interesting thing about McDonald's is apparently... They discontinued hot mustard sauce a few years ago. No. I never realized that they brought it back. Well, now I can get hot mustard sauce anytime I want. Yeah, I was going to say they brought it back and it's great. Fucking yeah, love so that like, stuff. My quality of life has increased exponentially because of that. I quit going to McDonald's whenever they got rid of it. As bad as that sounds, like I'm not a big uh, burger guy, but man, do I love me some chicken. And then once I, I found out I couldn't get that with my chicken nuggets, I was like, nope. I'm out. See you guys. Jeff takes a stand at New Wave and hot mustard sauce, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> man, I just, yeah, I like spicy stuff. I love chicken, man. I mean, it's it's real simple. There's you nothing put those spicy two things about together. New Wave. Oh, yeah, that works too. But chicken <laughs> and hot sauce together, that's magic, man. That's straight up magic. Speaking of magic, on our Nine Inch Nails episode that we oh. did at the end of Industrial December, Jeff seems to have... Uh, well, ruffled a couple of feathers. Yep, and, some of that uh, black magic. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he kind of uh, upset my other uh, partner in crime 
Mr. John Beatty from the Brutally Speaking podcast. I'm going to need um, you to summarize this in less than two sentences. And just to prove we're serious, you got to do it in one. <laughs> I'm try my best. Basically, John thought that it was a little bit hypocritical that Jeff claims to hate politics and music, yet he claimed that the first Rage Against the Machine album, that he loved it, uh, which seems like, I don't know, kind of like a contradiction. The uh, other couple no. of things that he said, hold on. Okay. He, said, he also mentioned that uh, in regards to your just vicious attack on Dave Grohl, you know, it seems like you forgot to mention that the producer said that the drum tracks really weren't up to par and Dave had to go in and fix them like he had no choice. And uh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff about Sunday Day Real Estate. But, Jeff, um, if you'd like to defend yourself, um, now would be the time, friend. Sure. Well, it's it's real simple with uh, comparing, say, uh, the, the Al Jorgensen stuff from Ministry as compared to uh, the self-titled release from Rage Against the Machine. Rage, what made it so great, especially when I was in high school, was that it was essentially, it's fuck the system. It's not fuck this political party or this political figure. It was fuck all y'all. And that's something that I can I, I can subscribe to because collectively politics sucks. Whenever you cherry pick and you point fingers at one particular individual, uh, I do take umbrage with that. Outside of that, the other thing, I, I just don't I don't want to hear it. I, music's an escape for me. I'm like, it, life kind of sucks generally and I don't want to be reminded of it uh, you know, <laughs> constantly in the music unless it's to tell me yep you know what it does suck and fuck all of them so that's the reason why i like rage and can't do the stuff like year zero and a lot of the ministry stuff it has nothing to do about party affiliations it just happens to do with whenever you single somebody out just don't dig it in general do you think if toby wright had said that the drums weren't that good we would be anywhere near as upset as jeff claims to be we would have said he's right Okay, sure. I, I'm, I'm assuming that they were shitty. The difference is, is that Nate Mendel got the opportunity to take care of business. William Goldsmith did not. And he was essentially unceremoniously you know, kicked to the curb because of it. He didn't know what the hell what was going on. You know what? There's this thing called communication, but they were all young. They were all pissy. I was young and pissy. And this is my opinion because, uh, you know, I don't know anything different. I'm, I'm sure Dave is a good guy now, you know, and he was just full of himself and he wanted to get that shit done instead of saying, hey, why don't you do it? Dave probably looked at it as, well, yeah, I'm the better drummer. I'm going to do it. I don't know, man. Just it wasn't very cool on his part when it, that he didn't give his own drummer the opportunity to re-record it whenever the producer told Dave that uh, it sucked. Well, I'm not exactly sure how to transition out of that, so I'm going to say, so Dan, tell me about Killswitch Engage. Killswitch Engage is one of the very first metalcore bands that I became aware of in the early 2000s, and what set them apart from everybody else is, holy crap, they sing. And that might sound like a really superficial thing to think or say about a band like this, but it was kind of a big deal in the early 2000s because most metalcore bands didn't sing. 
and it wasn't this contrived thing. This wasn't even like a sellout thing. It's not like they started off, you know, super brutal and then started adding choruses to sell records. The you know the the Killswitch Engage self-titled album has all of the elements that we still have in Killswitch Engage today on it. Like yeah, it might sound a little bit more rough than some of the newer recordings, but that whole idea of melody and substance to build emotion and character in a song was 100% present on the very first Killswitch Engage album. Did I already say this is metalcore? Well, yeah, obviously it's metalcore, but <laughs> but I think this was different. This was not generic metalcore, especially not for the time. Like Killswitch Engage is one of the first metalcore bands I heard that wrote songs instead of just like, hey, this riff sounds cool. Hey, dude, this is so crazy. I can't even believe I can play this. Okay, let's let's take those two ideas and you know mix them together with a breakdown, and then we're gonna have some <laughs> dude that sounds like a dying calf with his throat cut scream over it are they arguably at the time a modern example of a thrash band or just a classic heavy metal band no you're thinking of uh, shadows fall i'm thinking of ronnie james dio thank you very much <laughs> well i i don't think that ronnie james dio played thrash uh but i do think that kill switch engage had a melodic quality to them that was unmatched by a lot of metalcore bands that were out at the time because like even even like Shadows Fall that I just mentioned, they were still doing the hey this riff sounds cool this riff sounds cool this riff sounds cool in 2000, and Killswitch Engage was writing like actual songs. You know, yes. like you can't you can't deny stuff like Temple from Within, you know, and like Soilborn and and like those songs were incredible, and they actually had like a beginning, middle, and end. You're right. I think what set them apart was because the fact they had a a bigger picture mentality instead of just looking at, well, you know, like you said, this is cool and this is cool. Let's just add it together and make a song out of it. It just seemed like they uh, they understood how to structure it, it fr- from start to beginning. I mean, from beginning to end. And it sounded out of the gate. I mean, I was pretty damn floored. Their, their, fir- their first self-titled album... Uh, I, I guess as time goes on, it's definitely more rough around the edges. I really like that aspect of it. It's only in comparison to the other albums, though. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. It, but, you know, as things are coming forward, you know, uh, this is much more rough. But especially with Jesse's voice on that first album, uh, the passion that he has in his vocals on that one. I mean, granted, that's what caused him some of the problems as time went on until he figured out how to rein it in a little bit. But my God, I, I, I loved listening to the dude. He arguably didn't figure out how to rein it in until like two decades later. Right. But that's part of the reason why. I mean, isn't that one of the reasons why he left the band? He just he just like blows vocals out all the time besides the whole stress and the touring. But from yeah, the, well, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, but. His, that's what made it so good is there's like god this guy's like literally just like destroying himself to make this music because he's so passionate about it yeah he is and like there's a sincerity to his voice on this album that I almost think it comes close on Live or Just Breathing but on this album especially his voice is very sincere and you can tell that he is absolutely bleeding every single word that he says out and the clean singing accentuates that in the most beautiful way. 
And that's what I really enjoy about this first Kill Switch album is that it's all passion. It, it is 100% felt from beginning to end. And uh, it's also got some pretty sweet riffs in there. It's got um, a charm not, because it's not perfect. It's not it's perfect at all, no. And it's that's weird coming from me because I tend to like the overly uh, produced shit at times. But this is just it's it's perfect. It's what uh, maybe it's because, uh, you know, my emo roots and the the passion that he has and the, the emotion that it fills me with kind of, you know, tweaks at those heartstrings for me. And it just, you know, I, I just really enjoy it because of that. But like you said, it's it's not the screaming that really does it. It's, it's actually the clean singing. His clean singing is really where he's just like he's singing as hard and as loud as he can whenever he's hitting the clean stuff and it's uh it has one of my favorite favorite songs is on this album and it's actually the it, it, the temple from within is just fucking unbelievable i love that song well and this album was a uh un kind of an unexpected success for the band it's actually one of the most successful early metalcore albums to be released because before that again like metalcore wasn't accessible but like the general public like if you're if you're a fan of like Slipknot or Mudvayne or or any of those new metal bands you can listen to what Killswitch is throwing down and yes it is significantly heavier than what you're used to but because the songs had that singability to them you were able to really get into the band you know without having to necessarily be into brutal metal but I think that people that were into Brutal Metal at the time were still into it because it was so heavy, because it was so uncompromising. There's nothing like weird or sellout or strange about this. It's just its own thing and exists in its own plane. And this opened up so many doors for the band because, I mean, it was only like, what, a matter of time. Like, it was only like two years and they're picked up by Roadrunner which like makes sense is being like the label that you'd want to be signed to uh like because i mentioned like slipknot and stuff like that uh roadrunner in the early 2000s was really big about those sing scream bands and even though i think a lot of those bands were kind of gimmicky kill switch engage was a lot different than that but unfortunately with the production quality of the original kill switch engage self-titled you really couldn't sell that to the masses like Roadrunner wanted to, which is what led to the creation of Alive or Just Breathing. And that album features a couple of re-recorded songs, and it basically follows the same blueprint as the self-titled album, but it is significantly cleaned up. Do you think Killswitch Engage was shoved into the pile with As I Lay Dying? I remember the general thought of Metalcore at the time was it was either Under Oath, Coheed and Cambria, or it was As I Lay Dying and Kill Switch Engage. Most people were kind of silently arguing about what the term Metalcore really meant. All we knew at the time was this is Metalcore, but it's not the same kind of Metalcore that these hardcore bands are doing over here. And that fake progressive rock thing that's not metalcore at all but we can all hang out together because this is some good shit i wouldn't say they were lumped in with azalea dying azalea dying was like heavily entrenched in like the christian music scene and so i feel like they were kind of off on their own doing their own thing and i don't think that kill switch engage really plays that same sort of style 
And I think that they were much more at home on Roadrunner versus like a solid state type of thing because you know, as lay dying, you can you can pull the roots from, you know, more like hardcore punk rock based stuff. And, you know, it, to what you were saying earlier, Joe, Killswitch Engage seems to be a little bit more rooted in traditional metal. You know, so it doesn't necessarily have that um, punk rock, hardcore emo side to it that Azalea Dying had. There was an attitude, though. There were individuals that could not grasp the difference between what is essentially classic heavy metal and modern Gothenburg-influenced metalcore. At a glance, it can be very similar at times. Guitar players and well, really just heavy metal guys in general, we knew it was different, but because it was sneaking into the popular music scene, it was more difficult for the general populace to tell the difference. Possibly. I mean, the casual listener, there's kind of no way to quantify exactly how the casual listener sees things. I can kind of really only go off of my perspective and say that in my mind... I didn't really lump those types of bands in. I always felt like Killswitch kind of was on the side. Like I would, I would put Killswitch more if I if I'm lumping bands together. I would put them in with like the Triviums or um, All That Remains or even like Shadows Fall. I'd put them on that side of the fence. The bands that were obviously more influenced by traditional metal. And yeah, you're right, Joe. Maybe maybe the average listener couldn't distinguish between the two styles but i think anybody in the early 2000s that knew what they were talking about knew that kill switch engage was doing something kind of special you know in in their own realm and uh the first song that they released is a single that i remember hearing off alive or just breathing was my last serenade which i think was a really good single to release because it, it has that really just lush chorus to it and and it's got the hook and i think that you know if you weren't on board with the heavier metalcore stuff you could listen to this and be like wow not really into all that screaming but the that kill switch band you know they're they're doing something really unique i was happy uh that they that that they came out when they did because uh they bridged that gap you know yes you know metalcore was starting to become popular but if it wasn't for Killswitch, it wouldn't have taken off like it did, in, in my opinion. And that's mainly because it, it is, it's it's metalcore for the casual listener to a certain extent. Uh, there's enough uh, quality and, and beauty in it to make it where the normal, quote unquote, normal listener can, can somewhat enjoy it. They kind of represented heavy metal almost like you didn't have to commit to this new metalcore thing, even though there were two camps on what it actually was. If you still wanted to hang out and listen to heavy metal, there was this band Killswitch. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it. it I just like the fact that uh, they they made themselves accessible without giving up their integrity, and that that is not an easy feat. I would even argue that they didn't make themselves accessible. They had always been that way. And like, because whenever we talk about like metalcore for the masses or, or, or metalcore for the casual listener, there's kind of a certain 
connotation there that maybe the style had been completely inaccessible from the beginning and that somebody had to go in and water the style down and dilute it in order to make it more accessible for the masses you know like that's how you get like a demon hunter you know um with kill switch engage though the integrity is the word that matters the most because again they had always been that way it was their idea to be that way from the beginning and so they didn't actually have to sacrifice anything they didn't have to sacrifice anything out of their sound they could just play the best songs that they had written that incorporate aspects of metalcore and traditional heavy metal you know and and hard rock and blended into a style that yes just happened to be accessible for the masses but i don't necessarily think that's what the intent was you know it's kind of just the fact that they were accessible was an added bonus right and that's why i said i they 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 were able to uh, like we talked about that word integrity they did it without giving up their integrity and it's like you said it's because this is just the music they make you know they were the right band at the right time i guess is probably more of what i should have said it yeah, was them and a lot of their friends like this was a good time for the style i mean 2002 um some of the best bands that you probably still listen to now came out during this time period um but one of the things that i think really sets kill switch apart from these other bands is how fucking positive they are like lyrically like they are flying in the face of a lot of bands because like a lot of the metalcore bands at this time were talking about how like oh my god that bitch dumped me (laughs) you know and I'm gonna kill her and bury her in my backyard you know there's nothing like that in any of Killswitch's lyrics and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this because not very many other people have said it but it is something that has always been really strange to me about Killswitch their lyrics are totally like Christian metal lyrics like totally but the weird thing is is that nobody ever says anything about it like some of their lyrics are like straight up religious well Jesse was completely unabashed about that though correct and he wrote and he wrote all the lyrics on the first two albums did he I, I was I'm not sure if he did because even I'm, you know on, on later albums the lyrical content seemed to stay consistent with that Gotcha. I I was, I thought that he wrote everything on the on the first two. Maybe I'm wrong for the lyrics, but I, I swore he did. I thought Adam D had a lot to do with the lyric writing. I thought um, th- I thought he did mostly music, and I thought he took over lyrical content uh, when Jesse left. Oh, uh, that's. I mean, it's entirely possible. Um, I don't know. I, I have to actually look in my liner notes when I get home and see if uh, you know what the writing credits are. If there gotcha. even are any, it, it could be one of those pain in the ass things where it's like all songs written by Kill Switch Engage, and that's all you get. You know? <laughs> Funny story about that pain in the ass, Dan. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's how it should be. I'm <laughs> sorry, and people deserve to get credit for the specific things they did on a project. The Doors had it right. Who wrote the music? The band did. Honestly, that's how it should be. I agree, um, but it is kind of nice to know where certain songs came from like who you know if a song's about something deeply personal you know like well what person you know in the <laughs> band was was dealing with that because i'm i'm nosy right and and i need to know everything about music ladies completely. and gentlemen unpleasable metal fan right so 
but the, I did always think it was really weird how like spiritual the lyrics were in Killswitch. But the interesting thing about it is that if they were like, if they were a Christian band in disguise or just whatever, I found it really respectable that like they just didn't talk about it. Like not not that they're like hiding anything, but like just that like Killswitch came up in the secular market, even though with the lyrics that they had, dude, they could easily have gone to Cornerstone one year and blew everybody's mind. Right. You know, and uh, and, and they didn't do that. And I and I don't know if that was an intentional choice on their part or, or what, but like I think again, integrity is the word of the episode because they just wrote whatever they felt. So if if Jesse's a Christian, then he's gonna write about that. But like he he didn't go as far as to to be like this is what the band is, and this is what defines the band. So Killswitch works as being a positive band that should be able to appeal to everybody. And uh, and I, I found that really respectable, but I also found it kind of strange that they never really dipped into that market when they easily could have. I don't know. Yeah, I, they were just so successful without having to be part of that market. That might be a portion of it. Maybe they knew Jeff was listening and they said, you know what we should do, guys? We should not talk about what we're actually about and just write the songs and let the music be what it is. Jeff will appreciate that. Dan will appreciate it too. <laughs> and that's everybody knows when bands write albums, all they're wanting to know is what Dan and Jeff think about them. <laughs> that's why we got a fucking show, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I, I guess all I'm trying to say is, uh, it's kind of like the wolf and sheep clothing's persona. They can affect more people uh, in a secular market than they can in a Christian market if they're looking to inspire and make people happy, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's funny whenever I talk about the lyrics being so positive, that it's actually more positive than a lot of Christian metal, you know, that, that was out at the time. Because like even Asley Dying was like this like big influential Christian band at the time, but like there were still plenty of like that bitch left me type of songs. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, um, we know where that one went. <laughs> yeah, that went south pretty quick. But the, uh, <laughs> but I guess what I'm getting at is that like one of the things that Killswitch Engage talks about like like a lyrical theme is um, number one self improvement and unity. And that's something that, that kind of follows um, Killswitch throughout their career. And, uh, and I find it really refreshing because I feel like their music is also not like... Because um, like a lot of metal, by, by definition, is kind of more depressing. A little bit more like minor chord, a little bit more um, like sad sounding. Whereas with Killswitch... Yes, they played heavy songs and had animalistic shrieks. I mean, I can't sell short just how animalistic Jesse sounded on Alive or Just Breathing. Like his his vocals are just fucking sick. But then he comes at you with those with those clean vocals. By the time you get to the end of the album with Rise Inside, you're ready to go out there and join the fucking revolution, man. And there's not a lot of bands that played this style in 2002 that you could get that kind of reaction from fans. 
Yeah, I I, I think we're uh, pretty much all in agreement on on that. This that's this will be another one of those might end up being one another one of those episodes where we're going to get a lot of uh, pats on the back and, and a lot of head shaking uh, where we agree with each other on uh, on a lot of stuff. Depending on what we think of the uh, change in singers. Well, let's get into that because during the Alive or Just Breathing tours, Jesse basically had to leave the band. I'm not going to get into the whole thing about it, but essentially he was singing so emotionally and so intensely. He had a lot of problems going on personally that had to do with him being away from home he had the stress and anxiety of being on the road and you know he started basically blowing his voice out to where he couldn't perform and you know once that happened you know he was just like i i'm done i can't do this anymore and he just leaves just like straight up leaves like just tells the dudes like hey i'm out (laughs) it's two episodes in a row now where we're talking about where uh a uh, powerhouse lead singer just up and leaves the band yeah. you know on what's what's arguably their biggest record you know he records a badass album and then he leaves the only difference is is that Jesse didn't go off and start a band that sounded kind of like Kill Switch but not you know <laughs> <laughs> that's um, true he leaves the band and you know everything that we talked about about like how special Kill Switch was and how positive and how sincere a lot of that time, we're talking about Jesse Leach. We're talking about what he brought to the band, the sincerity, the passion, the delivery, everything. He was the whole package. So you have to ask yourself, oh, shit, what do we do now? And, uh, you know, as, as a vocalist search ensued, um, they ended up landing on what has been shed vocalist Howard Jones which if you listen to our Patreon episode that we did on Blood Has Been Shed, you know that we we like Howard Jones here on Discography Discussion. I don't think we have to say anything else other than it's Howard Jones, guys. Yeah, and seriously, go, you know, subscribe, listen to that episode. We uh, we, we give that guy a very uh, long handshake. <laughs> We, we, we thoroughly enjoyed that episode. Why does it sound vulgar yeah, I mean, when he says it that way? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because I've just got this really weird, kind of unhealthy obsession with Howard Jones. So it's like, yeah, it's Howard, I want to do the interview, but I promise I'll stay over here while I do it. <laughs> um, one of the things that we highlighted when we were talking about the Blood Has Been Shed album was how fucking inhuman howard jones sounded he was just the most one of the most brutal vocalists in metalcore at the time and yes we all knew that you know he did have some singing parts on blood has been shed but you know we didn't really know how that was going to translate to kill switch who was this like super melodic band because you're like oh man they brought in howard jones that's kind of weird right because like this dude is like so brutal like he's too brutal for your mom, you know. Like he's, <laughs> he's, you know, he's gonna burn your house down. You know, you can't just throw him in. And so I remember the first time I heard a Kill Switch Engage song with Howard Jones on it was actually they had uh, re-recorded. Well, they didn't re-record the whole song, but basically 
they took fixation on the darkness from uh, alive or just breathing and um, they added Howard Jones on as the vocals they just, they just deleted Jesse's vocals and had Howard sing the song and I remember hearing that and being like oh my god everything's gonna be okay you know what's better than that when darkness falls from the Freddy versus Jason soundtrack hell yes it just keeps coming back and from the end of heartache uh but uh yeah that album wasn't out yet so this was one of those like okay howard's here he's singing melodically and he's still heavy although i will make a small caveat and say that i don't think that his vocals are as brutal or as intense like his, his harsh vocals are as brutal as intense as they were with uh blood has been shed his that that could have also just been how bad the production was on blood has been shed <laughs> might have made him sound more gritty maybe than advertised with howard jones i mean there's really no other way to say it but they just hit a home run having howard come in to replace jesse because howard had a let's just say it he has a beautiful voice like ungodly like so where you had jesse who was pure passion let's take that passion but mix it in with somebody that's actually a very skilled professional singer and you have howard jones it's a different version of greatness and by greatness i mean disturbed is that voice the voice of kill switch engage it absolutely is to many people and while jesse stands on his own has his own style has his own intensity I think the majority of people listen to Killswitch and they think of Howard Jones. It also helps that the end of Heartache was a massively huge record. I mean, 2004 was like the heyday of that type of metalcore. And so when Killswitch comes back with End of Heartache that has some of their biggest songs that they've ever made, you know, Rose of Sharon, End of Heartache, World of Blaze, I mean... Bid, uh, uh, bid farewell that's like Joe was saying those are the songs that people most associate with Killswitch I mean older fans are going to say you know uh, Temple From Within, My Last Serenade you know but I feel like a lot of the kids that were going to Hot Topic and buying their first Killswitch album bought this album yeah you're probably right and the uh, I'm okay with that you know even though I'm probably uh if you gotta choose a team, I'm I'm probably choosing choosing Team Jesse. Mm, what I like teams now. Uh huh. I I guess so. I, I think a lot of people uh, have to ask that question whenever you, you you're doing a uh, something of this type of structure. But what makes it great for me is uh, the fact that they're both equally great uh, in their own ways, and that's what sometimes I think is the a big problem whenever you have a replacement lead singer come in is sometimes they'll try to mimic who was there before them instead of just, you know, grabbing it by the balls and making it their own. And that's absolutely what Howard has done is it, this is 
This is Howard's interpretation of how it should be. And instead of him trying to mimic what Jesse's doing. And I think that's what made it so good. You know, he just took it and ran with it. And that's how it should be. Well, and I find it hard to argue with Howard's version of Killswitch Engage. Um, It is absolutely compelling to listen to. And again, like, I feel like his vocals more so than Jesse's were of such an exceptional quality compared to other bands in their genre. You know, yeah, there were a lot of bands out by 2004 that were doing Sing Scream. You know, you had like 36 Crazy Fists. You had um, All That Remains. You know, Asley Dying was starting to incorporate singing into their music. But a lot of those bands still had a very like emo indie singer sort of sound to them. So you listen to something like Kill Switch Engage and Howard Jones is like leaps and bounds better than the vocalists in those other bands. He is a absolute like talent that was kind of unheard of. Nobody was singing it like the only other band I could think of that had vocals that were like better than this or at least on par with this was like scar symmetry you know like you didn't you didn't usually get a singer that was this good at brutal vocals as well as melodic singing and i think that's really what propelled them forward is that i'm gonna go ahead and say it and that's not to take away from anything jesse did because i think i'm still team jesse it was a vocalist upgrade it was an upgrade from Jesse then. I, and I would agree with that. You know, from a quality standpoint, who uh, who's the better singer? I, I, there's no question. You know, it. Are, do you want beautiful or passionate? That's what you had to ask yourself. I th- there's no question on who the more beautiful singer is. But I also don't think there's any question on who the more passionate singer was, too. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree that, that Howard is a beautiful man. See, I made it weird. Again. <laughs> um, but no, he's got a beautiful voice. I mean, he does. He doesn't have to do this genre of music. Just like Christian from Scar Symmetry doesn't have to do, you know, melodic death metal. I mean, shit. I mean, Christian made a fucking pop album because he's got that good of a of a singing voice. And I think how Howard could could do you know something more like an adult contemporary style and knock it out of the fucking park because he's got the chops to do it because that's what his clean vocals are closer to is more like an adult contemporary style whenever what's he has in- singing what's interesting about that is that Howard in an interview once said that he wasn't sure about joining Killswitch because they were such a clean melodic band and he was just such like a hardcore dude. And uh, I just think that's so funny because like everything that Killswitch did with Howard was like leaps and bounds more melodic even than what they were doing with Jesse. And I think that's just interesting that, that he really found that melodic side of himself and, and made it into basically a household name. And that's that's really impressive. But like, let's talk about the overall sound of Killswitch on the end of heartache 
I think what we have here is a record that is, in a lot of ways, very similar to Alive or Just Breathing. You have a new singer, which adds a little bit of a different vibe, but the positive lyrics are, are still there. Um, one of the biggest themes on this record lyrically is um, overcoming a heartache, overcoming obstacles. And, you know, they talk a lot about like, like in World of Blaze, he's like, he's like shed the weight of this world. The burden has been lifted, you know, and like that really spoke to me. And again, it's one of those like, why is this not like being played on Christian radio? You know, because <laughs> it, it it definitely still had that like Rose of Sharon, especially, which was one of their biggest singles off of this album, was like a direct reference to Jesus. You know, he's like, you know, what would I give uh, to behold the smile, the face of love? And you know, like all of, like you've never left me. And it just I mean, with Howard's awesome voice on top of that and those lyrics and the meaning behind it, it was a really nice package. And I want to say especially that on this album, I don't feel like the passion is lost. You know, I have heard people say that when Howard came into Kill Switch, it took a little bit of the passion away because, and I think a lot of those people were just like really, really big Jesse supporters and Jesse was super passionate. But like when I, when I, when I hold Jesse and Howard standing like head to head with each other, the two of them are so on par with each other that I, it's hard for me to pick a side, you know? And like, because I feel like kill switch, didn't lose anything with the addition of Howard Jones. And I don't think that, uh, and, and I actually do think that in a lot of ways they gained a lot with that. Well, yeah, they, they totally gained. I mean, there's no question about that. And they, what they gained was somebody who had a, a beautiful professional voice that is his clean singing was so easily accessible that somebody like my wife that can't, doesn't like the screaming part can hear him sing and go, I like this part of the song. You can't, you didn't find that very often in many other metal bands, like we said. It's another you David know. Draymond situation. Well, to a certain extent, yeah, it kind of is. And in, in the fact that here you have somebody who's got a, you know, a voice that can, uh, can cross that, that barrier that most other bands it can't even if they wanted to most of those bands can't because they don't have a front man that can cross that barrier howard jones just blew that fucking barrier up i mean that's part of the reason why they became so popular is was because of howard he had such a unique sound at that time within the metal genre nobody else was doing what they were doing and they made it sound fantastic i mean yeah real simple as much as Joe likes to call Killswitch Engage generic metalcore, I can't think of a single other band that sounds like Killswitch Engage. You know, I've heard some imitators come along, but like they don't even come close to the to the to the original. Yeah, closest thing and, to me is probably Diecast. As yeah. far as like the clean singing. And I'm not even sure that Diecast was like trying to emulate Killswitch Engage. No, no, I'm just saying, you know, it just in metalcore in general, as far as like that clean vocalist that sounded something a little bit like Howard, that's the that's the closest that, that just pops into my, my mind right off the top of my head. That's all. It's time for as daylight dies. Yeah, I was just actually, about to say I, that actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I was gonna let it go, but I'm not. 
Moving on to As Daylight Dies, I think the answer to the previous question, why wasn't this on insert name of Christian radio station? The answer is they never came out and said, we did this for God. Has nothing to do with the content of the music. It has to do with they never came out and said, this is why we did it. And that gives me a whole new perspective on that particular market. Well, yeah, and I don't think they had to do that. You know, I think that they were totally resting on their own laurels, so to speak, you know? Absolutely. On their own, you're absolutely correct. But the reason why they were never embraced in that way is because they weren't offering up the information. Well, and they said, like, fuck more times on stage than I say on this show. Uh, So there's that, too. Uh, (laughs) You know, if people... Because, like, youth group kids would come to that and hear them, like, see them drinking. They'd see, you know, Adam D on stage with a beer in each hand and, like, still somehow playing guitar with, like, a a Viking hat on, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Is that Michelangelo's Batio up there? Yeah, and this was just, uh, how do they come off of an album like The End of Heartache, which was arguably their biggest album up to that point? The answer to that question is... As Daylight Dies, a.k.a. When Darkness Falls. I feel like we already got a song about this. Right, yeah, that's true. I never <laughs> thought about it like that, but yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, this album has a song on it called My Curse, which is probably, at least in my top three favorite Killswitch songs ever. Um, it's got everything you ever wanted out of Killswitch Engage. But like, man, it's like that that weird like breakdown where they're like, "That's as my curse." Like, it's just so brutal and so in your face. It it just you you can't help but love it. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and mention "Eye of the Storm" is one of my favorite songs by them. Before Joe mentions that, literally every single band on the face of the earth has released a song called "Eye of the Storm." We already made that <laughs> joke on the Blind Side episode. I was not gonna resurrect it. Secretly, I was. Shit. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes, Joe, you just have to... Sometimes there's desperate times and you just have to reject yourself and let those bridges burn so that you can let this fire burn on. I'm going to um, break the silence okay. before we let this joke go. Well, I mean, this is absolution, Joe. And sometimes you have to run into the arms of sorrow to really understand and, and, and break your curse so that you can become unbroken. And this is for you. You know I'm, what, not gonna that my, I'm not going to say that my heart still beats your name every time you say it. Oh, you beat me to it. Oh, God, I, I swear to God, this is... You guys doing the shit. This is desperate times. Well, let's just break this silence, okay? Like, I mean, this is the biggest Kill Switch album. Oh, it's not even close. You don't think it is? Oh, I think it's by far the oh, biggest Oh, yeah, album. okay, okay. Yeah, it's not. None of the others are even close to this as far as how huge this album is. I think Jeff was. failed to express his agreeance in that particular case. Well, it's weird because when I first heard this album, I didn't like it. I really? Thought, like, yeah, I, I kind of was like, oh, this is uninspired. It sounds too much like the end of Heartache. Kind of want Jesse back, you know, and um, little did I know that I was going to get that eventually. Uh, but... With this album, it was just another Kill Switch album. And the only downside I will say is that, like, this one, okay, meathead moment. This one wasn't as heavy as The End of Heartache. And it wasn't as heavy as, um, you know, Live or Just Breathing. 
or and nothing's as heavy as the self-titled uh so i was kind of like is this band just going to continue to move in a commercial direction yes and, um, the the answer is yes <laughs> um but the more i've listened to it and especially especially listening to it this week several times i actually listened to this album a couple of times uh during a snowstorm in the past week where it took me like five hours to get home from work so i was like all right well you know it's uh the sun had gone down so i was like all right listen to as daylight dies and uh it, it definitely grew on me in that way because i was just like first of all i have no issue i could i could listen to howard sing forever so you know i i have that <laughs> and there there's a lot more melodic element to this like they're still heavy and i think some of the issues that i lobby against it not sounding as heavy is just in the production quality because their production quality has gotten so so clean that i almost felt like on this album it was almost a little too sterile and you know i kind of was falling back into what jeff was talking about about the first two albums and and how they had so much passion and so much energy and like this album definitely has that passion energy but the production mutes actually yeah it's also blatantly obvious at this point that kill switch engage runs together it's not bad in the same way that disturbed runs together it's enjoyable i like it but what else you got yeah i was definitely starting to feel that way uh on this album and it's an album that you know like to to what jeff has been saying for the past couple weeks instead of listening to the whole discography from beginning to end the best thing to do is to take the albums kind of out of order and listen to them on their own laurels and that's that's really what saved as daylight dies for me is that i was just like okay i actually really like this album as a singular thing and i had to kind of i listen to some other bands and listen to some other albums and then just kind of keep coming back to this one and uh, it grew on me and it's actually to the point where i'm thinking really that it's one of their better records overall and you're right it's it's got uh, enough polish on it that it that it does mute a little bit of the passion but i i think it does a good job of of balancing it it's just that those first two albums are just like it just like it's oozing out of the out of its pores with passion this one's just like your normal passionate album you know on its own merits it's it's fantastic it's just when you compare it to those two uh and you're just looking at it from that perspective and no other perspective you'd be missing something and so there's there's actually you know there's more here than just the passion and and that's what uh i think a lot of people like is that there's uh there's a little bit of something for everybody on this album are you saying this album is for you jeff yes it's also for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's for everybody and that's what makes it uh i mean that's what made it such a massive massive crossover hit I mean, there was people listening to this album that, you know, a couple years prior wouldn't even be, you know, caught dead listening to metalcore. And that's what, you know, and it got shit tons of radio play on alternative stations as well as metal stations. I mean, it it was uh, it's it, as uh, as a metal fan, I was able to appreciate it because it was able to break down those barriers in allow people to kind of get an inkling of what I love about metal music 
and, and there's not many there's you know well over the last 15 years there's not a ton of examples like that this is one of the few yeah i agree and i think this record was uh, an establishment like kind of you had the end of heartache which was huge you know you had as daylight dies and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention one of the reasons why as daylight dies was such a big record was because we get our very first kill switch engage cover song now granted this was only on the special edition which is funny because i don't have that i have the standard edition <laughs> and uh so i remember hearing the first time i heard holy diver on on the radio that wasn't just the dio version um i was completely blown away because i was like oh my god is that howard jones singing dio <laughs> how disgustingly appropriate you know despite what jeff's gonna tell you about the cover i think this was fantastic it's another david draymond singing genesis marilyn manson singing depeche mode hey guys kill switch engage did a cover of dio yeah and well it obviously they did yeah i mean it works it works so well and um i mean i thought howard was a good singer before i heard this song but like now i'm just like holy shit is there anything that howard jones can't do uh <laughs> the answer the answer is no i thought the answer was pull it off live yeah well yeah so i don't want to talk about that too much but i will say that <laughs> um i have seen kill switch engage with jesse and i've seen kill switch engage with howard and I don't know if Howard was just having a bad night that night. I, you know, I've definitely watched the DVDs. I've seen the YouTube videos and there's definitely shows where Howard has done so much better than what I saw uh, when I saw them live. Because um, like, for whatever reason, he was just having trouble hitting some of the higher notes and uh, it was just kind of weird. But, you know, who knows? You know, people get colds and stuff. I. I, I, I'm not going to just base everything I think about the band on that one experience. Um, From a performance perspective, he probably just couldn't hear himself. Yeah, it, it, it's not that I dislike the, the cover. The cover is not bad. I'm just a Ronnie James Dio fanboy. It, it, to, to that extent, yeah, my opinion probably doesn't matter because I'm such a big fan of the original artist. Yeah, I can understand that. My wife's the same way. She's like, "Why, why release a cover?" You know. And no, there's uh, plenty of covers I like. I'm just saying because the original artist is such a big deal to me. You know, that's why I say my opinion probably doesn't matter because I'm so staunchly already in one of the the vocalist corners. Before I even heard it, I knew about it, and I was like, "Nope, nope, nope." I was saying that before I even heard the damn thing. Here's the thing about cover songs. All of the original pop songs were covers because songwriters just put their shit out and whoever wanted to perform it, performed it. Yeah. As a whole, I don't have an issue with cover songs. My issue is when your band is famous because of cover songs. Me first in the gimme gimme's notwithstanding. They at least have a gimmick. Well, I think Holy Diver made Kill Switch more famous. But obviously, they had they did it right. You know, they waited a long time before they released a cover song as a single. You know, and honestly, I think the cover was only released as a single due to the awesomeness of it. Although I do have to give my wife some credit as far as cover songs go. She liked this one 
But when she heard the um, disturbed Sound of Silence cover, her response was hot garbage. <laughs> so, you know, I did good when I when I married. Um, yes, he did. It's time for the most bullshit album title in history. Kill Switch Engage, the 2009 edition. I don't know what they were thinking with making this a self-titled it's bullshit is what it is it's so bullshit i can't tell you i didn't accidentally play some of the music from this album at the start of the show i don't think it's bullshit and i'm not gonna fix it it's their fault i'm gonna say this because i'm a fanboy and again i love howard this is howard jones's kill switch engage and the other self-titled was Jesse Leach's Kill Switch Engage. They should have called it Howard Jones's Kill Switch Engage. That would have been an original album title. Howard Jones presents Kill Switch Engage. Or that Kill Switch be. Engage presents Howard Jones's Kill Switch Engage. Well, regardless, this record really, I think, is appropriately titled in the sense that it cuts to the core of everything that Kill Switch has been doing for the past two albums. This is probably one of the most impassioned performances by Killswitch. And like, because we talked about passion a lot in the early, uh, in, in the early albums. And this album actually is the most passionate delivery I've heard um, from Howard Jones. And the songs are more melodic, they are more radio friendly. But, like, I think the reason it's appropriately titled is because it really cuts to the core of Howard Jones's version of this band and is one of the first times that I would say that his passion is actually outweighing his vocal proficiency. I loved this album. It was literally... Um, it was a huge breath of fresh air, and then it, it actually is less metalcore and more rock, which is kind of something that, you know, I should hate. Like, on paper, I should hate it. But I actually really loved his passion on this, and I, I enjoyed that the band was willing to take his melodic vocal and incorporate their sound into it, whereas there's not as much contrast on this album between heavy and um and melodic it's all blended together perfectly yeah i'm not going to disagree i i think he was very comfortable in his own skin in this on this album he's always you know because what would like we, we we talked about before he was with uh kill switch was you know dude just had like ethereal out of this world vocals that he was super passionate about you know, and then he came here and we weren't sure what was going to happen. And well, I think this is just like a culmination of everything. You know, this is what happens when you get, you know, guys together, you know, that are in the, in the pocket. They find that groove and they start going through everything. This this is what your uh, your result is. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit, too. I know it's not nearly as commercially successful as its predecessors, but uh, I really didn't care. I was quite all right with that. I think that if this had sounded like As Daylight Dies again, they'd have lost me. Because I'm like, what does this record have that the other ones didn't have? But they totally turned us on it, turned it on its head. Because instead of 
like just doing the sellout thing of just repeating the same album over and over and over again. They're like, no, we're going to take some risks on this one. We might even lose some fans, but this is the performance that we want to have. And this is the type of feeling that we want to invoke in our listeners. And uh, I think largely it was very successful. So what you're saying is it was like they were starting over, huh? Exactly. All my previous (laughs) joking aside, this album has a little bit of an Iron Maiden vibe to it. They kind of snuck in a little power metal in places. More in the tone or the feeling to kind of separate it from the commercial kill switch. And it's just a side effect of the song writing. I don't know if they were writing to Howard or if this was just where the band was going. But it wasn't the same feeling all the time. It wasn't that constant commercial kill switch engage riffing onslaught there were these little parts where the band is shining in the background and they're actually doing something that's not just chugging on insert the chord and isn't that another cool riff that to most people sounds like as i lay dying they let howard breathe a little bit if that makes any sense well i can get your uh, where you're saying like uh like some power uh metal elements like you can definitely like since we were talking starting over I mean, there's certain parts of that where the the galloping bass is very, very prominent, you know, and that's like that's like Iron Maiden to the frickin' T right there. You know, they're all about that galloping bass. So, I mean, I can get what what you're saying that there might be some some of those elements sneaking in, but I I just I think they they like what they like, they write what they write, and they're unapologetic about it, and they just try to make them best music they possibly can and i wish you could say that about all bands but uh it it works for them and i wish people could realize that hey it would probably work for your band too it's time to disarm the descent aka let go of the rope at the wrong time (laughs) that's actually really funny (laughs) um (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Thank you. Actually. Thank you. And if you want to talk about a band that goes through vocalists like we go through co-hosts, Howard has to leave the band. It's not some kind of weird, hey, I was talking to Jesus moment. Howard had some like actual, like physical, like health problems. And he had to leave the band. And it sucked because it's like, dude. Yeah, you replaced Jesse Leach, but you can't replace Howard Jones. So they started holding tryouts. Like, well, you never know. We could find somebody that might be able to sing Howard's stuff. You got to have like one guy. But like, how do you... Seriously, it's almost like a scarce imagery situation where you would almost... To replace Howard, you would almost have to like have a guy that screamed and then have a separate guy come in and sing. You know, like that, that was the reality and that was almost even considered i think at one point who shows up to try out for the band like actually shows up for a tryout jesse leach walks in is familiar with most of the material i would assume the the answer has to be he's the guy (laughs) you know what i mean there there is no is this another marcos from pod situation it's like who's gonna replace jason truby well marcos right so this just felt right because again i remember like reading that interview that jesse was going to come back to the band and i was like honestly like i'm racking my brain trying to think of like who could 
possibly fill Howard's shoes. And then it's like when Jesse becomes part of the picture, it's not even about that anymore. You know, it's not it's not even a question. It's like, yeah, of course, Jesse's going to sing for Killswitch Engage again. Like it, it's an, it's it's like a, literally like a, a perfectly fitting glove. There, there is no debate. There's no question. And uh, God, I mean, like I remember being so excited for that because this was a way to be like, I still love Killswitch Engage. I love Howard. I haven't stated that enough times, but like, I love Howard Jones, but with Jesse coming back and filling up the reins, like it doesn't have to be about that anymore. It it doesn't, you know, like it's, it, it, it makes sense. And now I feel like I don't have to choose between Jesse and Howard. Kill Switch Engage is an amazing band and they're amazing with Howard and they were amazing with Jesse. So there is no, you know, there's no weirdness. You know, it's like I always tell people whenever they're in an awkward situation. Hey, man, it's only weird if you make it weird. And uh, and and here, you know, I just felt like they really made the right choice. Because I mean, they could have just told them to fuck off, but they didn't, and it definitely got me excited. And I'm still on board as a fan because it's really, really, really hard for a, for a listener that's been listening to a band for decades to have to be like, oh my God, we're this far into the career. And now I have to get to know another lead vocalist. Exactly. It's like, no, you don't. You, you like Jesse? Yeah, he's back. And Jesse went to finishing school. Oh my God. Because there was a little bit of question of like, Howard is clearly like the superior singer, you know, as far as, far as having control and, and and professional singing. So when I heard Disarm the Descent, I was pretty blown away because Jesse, while still having that passion and everything that we loved about him on the old Kill Switch albums, that's all back. But like he's a much better singer than he was even on uh, Alive or Still Breathing or Alive or Just Breathing, you know? For me, whenever I heard Beyond the Flames and The New Awakening, those two tracks in particular... Jesse came back. What else did you well, want? Well, I know he... I, I, I mean, he came back, but it was like... Uh, it's like a, it's like Howard imparted a little bit of himself into, into Jesse. It's almost what I felt like. Well, it, yeah. What, I mean, it, it absolutely was that because... You know, you've got Jesse, and yeah, he's going to sound great on all the old stuff, but it's like, hey, dude, we just had three massively successful albums with Howard. You got to be able to sing all his stuff live. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is a tall order. (laughs) Yes, it is. And I tell you what, I I was sold, and I didn't think I would be, because I thought the band was... uh, stylistically uh, enough uh, distanced from the first two albums that I didn't think he was going to be able to pull it off. And and I've already told you I'm on, I'm on team Jesse. And even then I was doubting the dude that I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. And I'm yeah. very happy to uh, <laughs> announce that I was wrong. Well, the funny thing is, is that like this album definitely swings much more towards heavy. Yes, it does. Like they, they go for the throat on this one. 
um, because I, I have admitted that I do enjoy Jesse's extreme vocals much more than I enjoyed Howard. Um, and, and I enjoyed Howard singing more. So it was kind of that give and take between the two vocalists. And um, so, but now you've got like almost, almost Howard level singing with ex- very extreme vocals. And with the with the faster pace of the songs, you know, there's there's more blasting going on there. There's more breakdown going on. And it's just it fits so well together. This was literally a very safe comeback album for Killswitch. And I'm OK with it. I was so excited that I didn't I didn't care. I mean, should we can go right into in due time? That's like the that's like three in a row on that album. Those are probably my three favorite songs. It's like you went back and you. You saw your high school girlfriend and she heard cute. that song. She heard that song that you wrote about her and she changed her mind. <laughs> right? Isn't that isn't that the situation? You know, something like that. Yeah. I was waiting for Jeff to just say it. Single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're dejected and single, and you show up at the high school reunion, and she's like, "Let's let's pick up where we left off." You know. <laughs> and you're like, really? Hello? You're like, oh my God, this is so Randall? awesome. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but I had a huge crush on you. Oh, wow. Okay, great. Let's put out Disarm the Descent. You know, and, uh, and yeah, and I feel like this was Killswitch, like, kind of reestablishing themselves as, a, as an extreme band because, you know, the, the self-title was more melodic. It was more rock. And it was just very, very passion-driven. And... You know, that's great, but, you know, people listen to Killswitch for, you know, heavy riffs and screaming and stuff, too, you know, as well as the melodic singing. And I feel like Jesse just knocked it out of the park here. And, you know, not not to, you know, I know we're focusing a lot on the vocalists here, but, like, the band has always been rock solid. There's no real issue with their playing. They're they're not formulaic. If they're formulaic at all, they're formulaic for Killswitch. You know, it's not uh, formulaic, like based on what top 40 radio is right now. And you uh, and tell that it's you can always tell when Killswitch is playing. Oh, it's yeah. One of those kind of things. And that's not a bad thing to to actually have your own sound. And absolutely. Well, so, you know, in, in the interest of time, you know, I would like to move on to Incarnate because Incarnate really kind of establishes the fact of like if you're not sure if you're team howard team jesse and and i'm gonna advocate that you really don't have to be either you can be on both of their team like that's what's so great about this this whole arrangement you know is that you could be team howard and team jesse and it'd be fine um on incarnate though i feel like they did go back more towards the self-titled the the howard jones self-titled sound it's almost like this is the record I feel like if they had if they had still had Howard that they would have made. And um, so here you're seeing basically Jesse's shot at the Howard Jones self-titled album. And his clean vocals are even better than they were on Disarm the Descent. Like he hits notes that I didn't think he was capable of hitting. You know, it just like reignited something in the band. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> and he he's now carrying the torch for the Howard era as well as the Jesse era. And everything just feels right with the world when I listen to this album. Um, because, you know, I, I don't care that they're not the most extreme band in the world anymore. I, I'm okay with those courses. I'm okay with the cleans because, like I said, that that was there from the very beginning, 
it just sounds right hearing Jesse scream over it and his clean vocals just keep getting better and better and the the future for Killswitch just like couldn't be any more bright as far as I'm concerned I don't know if it's bright but it hasn't changed for the fans you've had Jesse Leach you've had Howard Jones and now you're getting more Jesse Leach as a fan the band really hasn't changed other than a little bit of the commercial side came out in the mid to late 2000s and now we're back to where we were if you liked the classic kill switch engage for the most part it's the same band i have no complaints i feel like i'm going to get more of this because this is what i've been getting all along it just sounded a little different when Howard Jones was singing it. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's all great. I don't think that they really like this is a band that hasn't put out a bad album. We don't get that very much on this show. I think like their worst album you could maybe give a B or a B plus to. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty good whenever you're saying that's the worst that they've done. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, with Incarnate, they really established. I mean, in 2016, you're still getting the kill switch that you love, and it's still the same kill switch that you fell in love with. Sure, they progressed. They they write songs better than they used to write. The choruses are just like ungodly better than they have ever been. Because like if you compare the choruses to Incarnate to like Alive or Just Breathing, like Alive or Just Breathing is a record that works really well on nostalgia. But like if you if you're if you're objectively looking at what the band's doing now, like melodically, it is leaps and bounds much more complicated and, and and progressive than what they did in their earlier albums. And that that can't be ignored that they're still pushing forward. And even though their sound may have been perfect on a library just breathing or on the end of heartache, you know, like there's still room to improve and they're still trying as hard as they can to do that is that your final thought on kill switch engage yeah let's do it that's my final thought jeff what about you i've always enjoyed uh the fact that they've allowed like i said earlier for that crossover you know i'm not saying that that's what they were aiming for but the fact that they were in the right place at the right time so it did happen uh, because whenever I have friends over or family over and they're not, they know they're like, Oh God, Jeff's listening to metal again. They're like hell, even, <laughs> even Dan and Joe do that with like, what the fuck did, what, what are you listening to this time? I can always put kill switch on and people go, okay, I can handle this. This, this is good. And, uh, I think that's, uh, something that's really unusual and uh, i i really appreciate uh on how how good they are and how well they've been able to to make fans out of non-metal heads and uh i think that's like the the ultimate compliment that you can pay uh to an artist is whenever somebody who normally does not listen or pay attention to your style of art can appreciate what you do uh that's the ultimate compliment that can be paid and i think that happens a lot with kill switch engage 
Ever since the day the term was created, heavy metal has had many definitions. And while I think the majority of them are wrong, especially the old school, Jimi Hendrix was a heavy metal guitarist being one of them, are just flat out wrong. When I think of heavy metal, you can go to the late 70s, early 80s, and even into the mid 80s, and that's really where the real definition exists. It wasn't thrash, it wasn't power metal, it was just, it was heavy metal. And I think Killswitch Engage is the best modern version of heavy metal. If Lamb of God is too extreme for you, Killswitch Engage might be exactly what you're looking for because it goes a little bit into the extreme, but it stays in the classic heavy metal enough that you won't get lost along the way. Jeff, what's your album of the week? I'm going to go back to something that I've... uh that we've covered on the show before, and that is Language by The Contortionist. That's a good one. Yes, it is. This is kind of a weird one, but I've been listening to Wanting Waiting by a band called Anguish Unsaid, which is a really old-school Christian hardcore band from 1999. It's generic for me, but I'm sure a lot of people have never heard it, and it's really cool if you can find it. In a couple weeks, we're going to cover my ticket home, so I've been listening to Strangers Only. It's a damn good record. One of the best, actually. I'm really excited to do that episode. Well, and that concludes our marathon episode on Killswitch Engage. Uh, Definitely feel free to leave us a comment on our Facebook page. On Twitter, you can send us an email at Show at gmail.com you know if you agree with us disagree with us want to tell creepy stories with me about how much you love Howard Jones I'd be totally down for that Uh, hit us up you can get a hold of us pretty much anywhere I mean Facebook Twitter email anything I mean if you can't find us it's your fault it's not our fault Um, and we just love to hear what you guys think of uh either what our opinion was if you agree with our opinion you disagree uh just let us know there, there's so many different ways you can reach out to us and we'd love to hear from you guys and on that note this has been episode 101 of discography discussion thank you for listening you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at discuss metal subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts including google play itunes and stitcher Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. Not everything seems clear. The future's not so bright. Chances not to waste your life Have hope and have no fear The truth walks by your side 